0: In Case You Missed It, on the cat.
1: Welcome to In Case You Missed It for the 6th of September 2020. Coming up on this week's programme, we have our latest instalment from the South Cheshire Legal Society. Local musician and world-renowned artist Jim Kirkpatrick stops by for a chat with Gary on The Breakfast Show. And Dave Fowkes speaks to legendary local butcher Charles Clulow ahead of International Bacon Day.
0: You're listening to In Case You Missed It, on the cat.
1: First up, our latest instalment from the South Cheshire Legal Society. Tom Melville from Hall, Smith & Whittingham takes your questions relating to employment contracts and furlough Tom Melville, and uh, he is from Hall, Smith Whittingham
2: and he's part of the uh, South Cheshire Law Society So Tom, a very good afternoon and welcome to the cat Good afternoon Chris, let's, let's speak with you Indeed. So, Tom, we've had a number of questions that have come in on the legal side, but uh, before we go there, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Obviously, working for a very reputable legal company in the area, that's a Hallsmith Whittingham, but how did you get to that, Tom?
3: I'm a litigation lawyer with over eight years' experience in, in law and litigation. I've got a broad spectrum of expertise, ranging from property disputes to multinational contract disputes so i'm able to handle w- w- all cases whether they're small or large
2: and of course within the practice you've got all sorts of other people who handle various things yeah from uh, in Horsmith smith whittingham yeah.
3: that's right my my great colleagues handle all sorts of cases so we're a full spectrum law firm so if you need to get a will drafted or you want to move house give us a call and there'll be someone able to help you
2: Okay. Well, on today, obviously, Tom, what we've done is we've sent over a series of questions that we've received. And and as we guessed, a number of the questions this week um, are on this session. Paul had quite a few different questions the last time he was on. But this time, it seems we've got a lot of questions on furlough. So if you don't mind, uh, I'll read one of the questions we've got, and then we can talk about potentially what people can do. Sure, that sounds great. OK, so the first one we've got is I've been furloughed for months now and it looks like the company will be closing down. How does this affect any redundancy or pension entitlement? And I'm guessing that's, uh, that's true for a number of people, especially it would seem that some people have been furloughed while the company has tried to stay, but unfortunately they, they've lost their battle from it, so a number of companies are now closing despite people have been furloughed for a number of months. So how, how does that uh, affect their entitlement, Tom?
3: You're absolutely right, Chris. This is a very common question, and I'm asked it on a daily basis. The answer is that your employment rights will be completely unaffected by furlough, so that any entitlement to redundancy pay should be based on how much you were receiving before you went on furlough. Mm.
2: And, of course, the other question that people have, because we've seen this an awful lot, what happens when a company goes down? Does that then, if they've got a pension or whatever with that company, does that then mean they lose their pension?
3: No, it won't mean you lose your pension. If a company goes into liquidation, it's important to seek independent legal advice on your specific circumstances. But uh, the usual rule is that the government will ensure that you receive any redundancy pay and any final pay from your employer.
2: Yeah, I mean... As we said, unfortunately, I think a lot of people a common question, because I think a lot of people are asking this question at this moment in time. All will get a little concerned, especially given the number of people that are furloughed. So hopefully the person that uh, sent that in to us, and we are trying to be anonymous here, so don't worry if you do have a legal question, if you send it as to the cat, we will just give the question to, to the legal representatives on the phone and we won't disclose who you are. So you can ask us anything. I mean, clearly Tom will do his best to try and answer what he can. So, bit of a different question for number two then, uh, Tom. It's we've recently booked a holiday to Las Vegas but we're being advised not to travel to the U.S. due to the coronavirus. We booked our flight with a very well-known company. Having contacted them they're now saying they will refund the money but this could take months. I'm owed two and a half thousand pounds which I paid for on my credit card therefore I'm paying interest but I'm basically not got my holiday. What can I do?
3: Well this is an interesting one. Uh, Under the Consumer Credit Act, if you book anything through your credit card and you don't get it or it's unsatisfactory, you can go to your credit card company and get a full refund and then they will take it up directly with the supplier.
2: Because you've got a feel for people. I mean, certainly people who have mm. booked holidays. look. We only need to look at now, don't we? Portugal, you've got people who thought Portugal was okay, and of course now it's, it's on the blacklist as such, and therefore you've mm. got these two weeks and, and everything else. So that's going to be something that's going to deter people. But um, the airlines are in a terrible place because they've got to uh, refund quite a lot of money for the people who can't fly or can't travel.
3: Completely, you completely understand where the airlines are coming from, but at the same time you've paid them your money and you're entitled to get it back.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well Great. Well, thanks, Tom. Certainly hope the person who asked us that question, hope you do get your holiday in the end. Uh, one other question that, uh, again, it said lead on from this, and a couple of people asked us was, um, if they offer you, um, you know, they can, they'll do no change fee you can offer later mm. in the year, that may not be suitable to you. So you can legitimately ask for a refund if you can't travel at a later date. Is that fair?
3: That's exactly it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's up to you if you want to agree to have a a holiday next year at the same time if you're offered that by the travel company. But at the end of the day, if you have money concerns due to the change in circumstances brought around by COVID and you want your money back, you're fully entitled to it back.
2: Right. OK, third question then, and then we'll uh, take a piece of music and then we'll come back after the COVID update. Tom, if that's OK with you um again a lot more talking about furlough here uh, the company have asked me to use my holiday entitlement while I'm on well I'm furloughed do I need to do this i plan to take holidays in december to visit my family and i really don't want to use my holiday entitlement at the moment so been furloughed for 5 months the company's now saying well that that some of that is your holiday but they don't want to take mm. it is that fair tom can they do that uh, the short
3: answer is yes chris they can do that however I would urge your listener to speak with their employer, explain their circumstances and say, look, I was going to take my holiday later on in the year. Can we come to an agreement? Not many people know this, but your employer can actually force you to take holidays when they want you to.
2: Mm-hmm. So that might be interesting, as you say. Uh, but it comes down to, uh, you know, if you're a valued employee, then hopefully the uh, the employer will try to be flexible with you as well. And I guess that's what that comes down to, yeah?
3: That's exactly it, Chris. I mean, they don't want you to be annoyed at them for making you take holiday when you don't want it. And they want you to be productive. So, like I said, at the end of the day, it's a two-way street. You've got to speak with your employer and arrive at a sensible compromise. Uh,
2: I, I guess, Tom, and we'll have some more questions in a second. But the whole furlough thing is raising lots of questions at the moment. And I think some people think maybe that's not a question that they can ask um, a lawyer, you know, a a solicitor. You know, is that uh, because it may be that's a very costly thing or whatever. I mean, clearly you're giving free advice here, which we really appreciate. But if Mm. people are sort of suffering or do sort of have questions like this with regards to furlough, that is something that they come to people like yourself at Hall, Hall Smith Whittingham for. Is that right?
3: That's absolutely right, Chris, and I do offer a free initial appointment to anyone coming in with queries. Uh, I understand that a lot of people will have a lot of issues at the moment, Um, some due to corona, some may not be due to coronavirus. So I, I offer a free initial telephone appointment to anyone who'd like to have a chat with me with no obligation at all.
2: We've got Tom Melville, who's with me, and he's from the uh, legal practice of Hall Smith Whittingham, who are part of the Law Society of South Cheshire. And we've had a number of uh, questions in um, from listeners who have uh, got a lot of questions about furlough. So I've got a couple of more questions about furlough. And then if you've got somebody elderly or you're elderly yourself and looking at care homes, Tom's going to give us some good advice on that one coming a little later. So, Tom, welcome back to the show. Turn you on, Tom. There well, you are, Tom. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Hi. Uh, so a couple of more questions, Tom. And then, as I say, we're going to talk about the care home piece. But um, this is an interesting one. And if, in fact, a couple of people have asked us this question. Uh, do I need to work for the company whilst I'm furloughed? I'm normally based from home, but travel extensively as I'm a salesperson. And now I'm not doing this. I'm now being asked to make calls from home whilst I'm furloughed. Is that right?
3: Absolutely not right, Chris. If you're on furlough, then you're not working. Employers have the opportunity to use flexible furlough. So they can ask you to work one, two, three or four days a week and you can work on those days. But if you're on a furlough day, then you should not be doing any work whatsoever.
2: Mm, That's interesting. I wonder how many people think that would be okay. So I'm sure that's that's an interesting answer to a couple of people, I think. I would think so.
3: Well, I I would encourage them to seek independent legal advice if they do feel that they've been asked to work on furlough days.
2: Yeah, and and we spoke about this off-air, Tom. I think people think potentially that, you know, getting legal advice is going to be expensive, but you've already mentioned in the first section of this uh, piece here that, you know, the first call with yourself is actually free.
3: Absolutely, Chris, and during that call, I can't give any specific advice, uh, but I can look at their circumstances in a bit more detail and give them some unique information which suits their circumstances and give them an idea about what they can do, along with any likely fees they do want to pursue it.
2: Mm. Well, so you go. If you are then asked to work while you are on furlough, uh, you absolutely should not and so that's something that maybe your employer doesn't understand Um, but as I said if you need help then you can give Tom a call at Hallsmith Whittingham. Uh, So to the next and final question on furlough and then we're going to talk a little bit uh, about care homes Tom. So uh, my wife and I are about to expect our first child in late September. Our company normally allows two weeks maternity leave with full pay but I'm currently on furlough. Does that affect the maternity payment?
3: No it doesn't. Uh, You're Statutory rights are unaffected by furlough, so you should receive the same amount of pay that you would receive if you weren't on furlough.
2: Right. And, of course, furlough now, uh, employers are having to pay more and more for their employees now. That's, it's, it's changed on the uh, furlough scheme, hasn't it? So, um, as well as contributing to national insurance, they now I think it's a lower percentage that the government is paying.
3: Yes, the, the government's paying 70%, with employers being asked to top up the rest.
2: But as far as an employee is concerned, realistically, they should receive the same amount. It's just where the money is coming from.
3: Exactly. Obviously, each employer will have their own maternity policy, so I can't speak as to exactly how much they could look to receive, but they should know that they will receive exactly what they would have received if they weren't on furlough.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thanks for that, Tom. So let's change topic. This one has been a very popular one, and I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure why all of a sudden it's become so popular. But we've had a couple of questions on this. This is all about a legal advice where relatives are going into care homes, and what there's there's huge pitfalls. Clearly, we do know that certainly for the paid care home, if, if somebody lives in a house, um, then you can actually be asked to sell the property to fund uh, the care and everything else. So it is a pitfall. Uh, that maybe you can talk us a little bit through and give us some advice on this, Tom?
3: The best advice I could give you is if you're worried about yourself or a loved one going into a care home in the near future, to speak to a private client solicitor uh, and and structure your affairs in a uh, tax-sensible way so that if you do go into a care home, perhaps your main assets are beyond the local authority's reach so you don't have to sell them in in that situation. Uh, I can't give specific advice on that. And, Like I said, I would speak to a private client solicitor who, able to, who will be able to advise you on your own situation and structure a way to try and minimize any risk to your assets.
2: Uh, but certainly, with care homes at the moment, Tom, if you do have to pay the full fee, we are talking many, many thousands of pounds over a period of time. So it, it is it is a difficult situation, and, and clearly, as you say, the best thing to do is, is seek legal advice because it's not just a very simple thing. You know, there are. I mean, I've been in this uh, uh, this myself, and you know, looked at some of the things you can do. And as you say, you're not cheating the system. The system is there to help you. You just need to know what the system is
3: yes that's that's right and if you engage with the services of a private client solicitor they will explain to you how to use the system to your advantage so that you're able to keep as, as much of your assets as possible for those who aren't able to see a solicitor and structure things because it's too late then i would say to them that they shouldn't be afraid of the local authority having to sell their house they will simply put another charge on it, like a mortgage, and that will sit there until the house
2: is sold. Mm, mm. Uh, and you raised a great point there. Don't wait until it's too late. It is the same mm. as wills and various other things. This is it, it's a horrible thing to say, but this is something you really do need to think about, and don't wait until it's uh, this person's got to go into a care home next week. What do I do now? This is something that you could plan for, but you have to think about it, Tom.
3: Yes, that's the best advice I can give as to as to think about it. If you wait until it's too late, and um, let's say, for example, your mother had given you a, a large, a large gift uh, last year, the local authority has the power to look into that to see if you've intentionally tried to deprive your mum of her assets to avoid the the, the for care homes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, yeah, as you say, at some points your parents basically want to give you the money because, as a child, they think you deserve it and don't want to basically, what they see as giving it to the council or the care homes or whatever, but there is a legal standing on that and you need to understand it. So, as you say, Tom, best thing to do is seek legal advice because you could be talking, especially if you're selling a property, hundreds of thousands of pounds. That's exactly right, Chris. So Tom, there you go. So uh, again just coming back to this, so as far as yourself is concerned, then you you spoke earlier on about the sort of scope that you do, but as just calling to Hall, Smith, Whittingham or a member of the Law Society of South Cheshire, there are a variety of legal experts who can give you advice on virtually anything. I think the thing that we're trying to stress here is don't be afraid to go to people such as yourself. You know, there is, you you are kind, you're not trying to take money off people, you will give advice Um, and that has got to be the best advice, no matter what it is whether it's buying a house or whether it's literally your mother having to go into a care home seek legal advice, is a good thing to do and seek it early
3: that, that's right. Prevention is always better than cure. And sometimes I have clients come to me who've tried to do their their own court case on their own and it's too late for me to help them. Uh, people are always worried that solicitors will charge them without telling them. It's actually against the industry guidance to do that. And when the clients come to see me, if I'm going to charge them, I tell them exactly how much I'll charge before I do it.
2: Oh, that's great. Well, Tom, we really appreciate your time today, so maybe we can give you a couple of seconds then to give yourself a plug. So if people do want to get in touch with the or indeed Hallsmith-Whittingham, how do they do that?
3: Uh, they can call our main number on 01270 610300. Uh, we have branches in Crewe and Nantwich with plenty of parking, So and we would be happy to see you.
2: That's great, Tom. Thank you so much for uh, helping us today and certainly answering some of the questions. I think for the people who ask those questions, they probably feel a little bit better. And if they need more advice, then obviously they can speak to you uh, um, if they wish to on that number. So again, Tom, thank you for joining us today on The Perfect Afternoon. Thanks, Chris.
0: Be the pleasure. You're listening to In Case You Missed It on The Cat.
1: On Friday morning's breakfast show, local musician and world-renowned artist, Jim Kirkpatrick, stopped by for a chat with Gary to talk about his new music.
4: And um, we have, we've got the man himself on the phone. Good morning, Jim. How are you?
5: I'm very well, thanks. Gary, you?
4: <laughs> yeah, good. Oh, uh, good. Well, Jim, if you, we were just saying, weren't we, off, uh, off-air off as that, you came in here, I think you'd been gigging the night before, you came in here and you did that one at 8.30 in the morning, and that was the live recording. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, but I just listened to it then and thought, actually, I remember doing that and being a bit sort of, a, a bit kind of bleary-eyed, <laughs> but yeah. Pro- proper
4: rock and roll stuff, mate, proper rock uh, rock stuff. <laughs> Jim, the new album's out today, uh, Ballad of a Prodigal Son. Uh, it's been a long time in the making, uh, so come on, tell us, what, what was the inspiration behind it?
5: Ah, uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I made a solo record about 14 years ago, and then since then i joined bernie marsden's band and then and then i joined fm and i mean with fm i think i've done seven albums with fm which have co-written and played on and uh, and then you know asked to do things like the chris bevington organization with um, i played and co-wrote on four albums with, with chris and and lots of other projects you know in and around that so Getting around to do my own thing again is, you know, kind of taken a bit of a back seat. Anyway, yeah, um, I had one or two sort of tracks in the can for a few years actually, but then a couple of years ago I thought, right, I've got to really knuckle down and do this. So in between, a lot of touring around the world and everything, I sort of slowly ploughed through it. But then, of course, the events of this year meant that um, I was really able, sort of, April and May to really kind of. Get down and get my own thing out there, really, and it's kind of um, without sounding too pretentious, uh, a <laughs> kind <laughs> of uh, true picture of uh, I think where you know where I come from and where I am musically. So.
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and uh, I mean, so in, in that respect, and you know, COVID for for musicians like yourself who are in so much demand, it has given you that time to do some stuff that you wanted to wanted to do.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the, the, this. Uh, I mean, it's been a, a real change for for everybody, obviously, but uh, you know, no more than, than for myself, who you know, I spend an awful lot of time away from home and on the road and, and playing gigs. So, obviously, with that kind of all out the window for now, um, it has been a great time to kind of start new projects and and the amount of things that have kind of come up from it, you know, it has been fantastic and, and lots of other opportunities that that maybe wouldn't have arisen. Yeah. Yeah. So.
4: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, what's next for for JK for Jim Kirkpatrick?
5: Well, at the moment, um well, obviously I'm just sort of promoting this record. Um I mean, have you know, got the starts of sort of some touring being booked in for for next year for myself. I mean, I'm on the road with FM all next year, so we're just hoping that, that happens and uh, you know there's even a whisper of possibly one or two kind of smaller gigs uh, towards the end of this year as well so watch this space
4: absolutely now Jim we had the pleasure of uh, you know you did us a great favour by being in Lyceum Square on Saturday I have to say I've, to, I've got to tell the people that guitar of yours I mean it's got a hole in it it's been played <laughs> and bashed so many times but what noise comes out of it it's brilliant I, mean.
5: uh, <laughs> I, I keep expecting it to fall to pieces any day but um you know, it keeps going, but, yeah, it's 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 been around a while, that guitar. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, Jim, the the title of the new album, it's out today, and we're going to let everybody know how they can get hold of it in a moment, but the uh, the title track, Valid of a Product or Son, is that kind of semi-autobiographical?
5: Yeah, semi a little bit, and it's sort of a, you know, a bit of a kind of a nod to my return to making a solo album, but, it's uh, semi-autobiographical and semi about somebody else, but I can't tell you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, what uh, what stays on tour, uh, What goes on tour stays on tour, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> or something like that. Uh, well, the album where uh, anybody can order it, if they uh, go to there's your website, which is um, jimcaptrick com, and yep. um, there's another chap that you can order the vinyl version as well.
5: Yeah, I mean, if you go to to my website and, and go onto the sort of the shop or merchandise page, there's a link for, for the vinyl. I mean, the vinyl's quite an exclusive run. I mean, it's very expensive to produce, but it'd be a gatefold vinyl, 180 gram vinyl, and uh, it comes, the first 100 come with a limited edition CD EP, but that's really limited. That's not going to be available at like Amazon or anything like that. So if you go onto my website and click on there, uh, you can find a link and how to order it through uh, much of a vinyl presser mm-hmm. and distributor. Um, but uh, yeah, you can order the album from my website. It's on all digital platforms today. Um, it will be available via Amazon retail. Very surely. Um, So yeah, all the usual kind of places,
4: really. Oh, brilliant! I've got to say, I mean, there's some brilliant tracks on it. Uh, I've got the CD version, and I can't wait to get the vinyl version as well uh, when that comes through. But I keep playing it in the car. Love it. And I have to say, I think I've said this to you before. There's an instrumental on there, Blue Heron Boulevard. Oh yes. I just think if they ever did did a remake of something like uh, the Rockford Files with James Garner or somebody (laughs) else, I think that's the perfect theme tune, isn't it? Uh,
5: I think so. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep pushing, Jim. We'll keep pushing, mate. <laughs> Jim, it's as ever. It's always, uh, it's always a pleasure uh, to talk to you. I will tell you what, we're going to do yeah. to finish. So it's uh, JimKappatrick.com is the website to order the uh, the album. Jim, you can introduce the title track.
5: And this is one of my new songs, a ballad of a prodigal song.
4: Top man, legend. <laughs>
0: To, in case you it, on the cat.
1: Earlier this week, our very own Dave Fowkes spoke to legendary local butcher Charles Clulow, ahead of International Bacon Day.
0: Good morning, Charles. Good morning, Dave. Oh, good morning, good morning, good morning. How in the world are you, Charles? I'm
6: very good, thank you.
0: Marvellous stuff. Now then, we are calling you A, because you are a... Um, a top-class, world-renowned, award-winning butcher, and because on Saturday...
6: I wouldn't go as far to say that.
0: <laughs> now, come on, this is called building you up, Charles. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the big intro. Um, and more importantly, uh, or is just as importantly, it's International Bacon Day on Saturday. Now, when I saw this pop up, I thought, right, let's get a hold of a, a butcher of repute to give us the lowdown on um, on bacon. So, y- you're the third generation of low butchers, are you not, Charles?
6: We are, yes. Okay. I am. <laughs>
0: ah, okay. And how long has low has been going in Nantwich then?
6: Um, only since 1929. Oh, is that all? <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what you're doing. The, the family knows what they're doing. Well,
6: <laughs> three generations. We should do, shouldn't we? Now?
0: Excellent stuff. <laughs> now then, um, bacon in particular, uh, and we'll go on to talking more about the um, meat in general a bit later on. But bacon in particular, um, what, what's the most popular cut and and, and the uh, type of bacon that you sell?
6: Well, we we have three three main types of bacon. We have a a streaky shortback home cured yeah um that we do in house um and then the most popular i would think is a is a shortback bacon um and we sell that we do a dry cured one and also one from cheshire oak they uh, we we slice we slice all the bacon in house do you um and of, and of course the dry cured middle cup bacon, which was always the most popular bacon because that's all you could get at one time okay um, but that, but we, we now do that from our own own pork and we cure it ourselves, slice it, and pack it
0: when and you it, say it, it's very when you, popular when you say curing it um charles what do, sorry i 'm a bit of a uh, I don't what you mean you ha- like it hang it up and, and let it dry. So All
6: bacon is uh, comes from pork. So yeah. you get your loin of pork and you 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 cure it in salt. Oh right. In a salt solution. Uh, with a little bit of nitrate to uh, that's what makes bacon pink.
0: Oh right, okay. So, so how long does that take then to cure?
6: Um about about ten days.
0: Okay. And you get all your your the bacon or the pork, you get all that locally sourced
6: the the what the 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 bacon that we cure ourselves yes it's all it's all locally sourced cheshire
0: wonderful wonderful stuff now then, a couple of questions I've got to ask you uh personally, as a bacon expert, if you're making a bacon butty, do you leave the rind on the bacon
6: um yes.
0: Good man, I look, I look, just eat rind on its own, I love it, I love it, bit. can't understand but there's, people there's, who cut only it only
6: the middle cut. Okay. And the, and the home cure, and the home cure that has the rind on. Oh, Me, right. The shortback bacon is predominantly rindless. Is it?
0: See, yeah. I'm learning, I'm learning so much this morning, Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you, are you a bacon butty person?
6: Oh, I love a bacon oh, butty, I love yes. a bacon.
0: Now, now um, do you have it on... Bread, or do you have it on toast?
6: Oh, uh, bread.
0: I I, bread. I'm with you because the butter <laughs> soaks into the bread. Oh, Charles, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> and a
6: very, very little
0: amount of brown sauce. Re- oh, you brown sauce man! All right. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, and <laughs> when, when people say smoked bacon, then what? What's the yeah. difference between that and just ordinary bacon? Well, it's
6: it's been it's been smoked. It's it's. It adds that smoke flavor to it
0: okay and do you like are you an aficionado of smoked or do you like just ordinary bacon
6: um well it's it's what region you come from really oh right uh, okay this this area uh, it's bacon they they call it green bacon when it's not smoked okay that <laughs> doesn't sound good does <laughs> now we're
0: getting all technically i love this <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um.
6: And 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 that's green bacon is more popular in the north. Okay. Um the Majority of bacon down south is smoked,
0: is it now? Oh, well, no accounting for them, is there really?
6: <laughs> no, not
0: at all. That's lovely. <laughs> Don't
6: know um, a good thing.
0: <laughs> so, that's the bacon side. Obviously, as a butcher, you do a whole lot more. I'm I had a little look at your website, and you, you've won massive awards for your sausages.
2: Yes,
6: yeah, we've, we, but yeah, we pride ourselves on the sausage, the uh, traditional pork sausage. It's a recipe that's over it's over 60
0: years old is it and is that like um, a guarded secret is that kind of a secret well, it
6: is pretty
0: much is it <laughs> so where do you keep the do you keep it under, under lock and key so nobody can definitely you know, do you really definitely. oh how fascinating <laughs> i can't wait for international sausage day <laughs> we'll <have you> back <laughs> on for that. now then um nanswich food festival uh I know because I've seen uh, the lovely way you cook burgers outside the shop, etc., etc. Um, how much of a miss is that going to be for you, for you Charles?
6: Well, oh, it, it will be a great miss because we we have a really good sort of three days. Yep. Um, although the shop is not as busy, we do an awful lot on the burgers and the sausage on the front.
0: Sure, That's absolutely so gorgeous. It, it's yeah.
6: it's going to be a big miss this year.
0: Okay, and in terms of, uh, obviously, we hope and and pray everything's back to normal next year, Uh, will you be doing your sausage and burgers outside again?
6: Yes, yes. We we, we did consider doing them this weekend, this last weekend, but think it's a bit too early
0: to yeah well you never know people might go oh well you know there's no there's no food festival but they're taking a bit of a liberty because people are gathering <laughs> you know and and i understand yeah. why you've not done that
1: now in yeah. in
0: lockdown um charles uh, obviously the first few weeks was a bit of a disaster how how has things been for you in in when you've had to restrict things like uh, everybody else had to
6: well like everyone when lockdown was announced we were We were like headless chickens, didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, But we took the decision that uh, those that could work, we we still we came into work and we decided, well, well, you know, we've got to do something different here. So we started to pre-pack things. Yeah. um, And offer a delivery service, and it's just gone from strength to strength, really.
0: Brilliant excellent stuff well way, I'm so we I'm, yeah. is,
6: it's more efficient and you know we- we can give the customer what they what they want.
0: Fabulous stuff. Well, I must admit, um, you know, you are an iconic. You are one of the landmark shops in nantwich and, and long may it continue. Um,
6: oh, I hope so. Fingers
0: crossed. <laughs> indeed. Um right, well, I asked you a couple of tunes that you wanted and uh, you you said out El- <laughs> you said Elton John, um but you also said Food Glorious Food. So we're gonna have a little bit of a sing along. <laughs> To that, <laughs> I think we can we can have a bit of a, a go with that one. Um, Charles, thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about um, International um, Bacon Day, which is Saturday. Um, is is it there a, a special bacon that you've got on at the moment? Um, the, I
6: would like I say the the Cheshire the Cheshire short back bacon is. The, that's the, the one to the ask one for the one go for at the moment that's and the if to. not that give the
0: middle bacon a try middle bacon right I'm on it middle bacon I'm on it Charles Charles Cluleau thank you so much for being part of International Bacon Day and like I say we're going to have a little bit of a sing-along now to, <laughs> to food glorious <laughs> you, food you, you might be <laughs> oh come on Charles you can do this thanks ever so much Charles we'll see you next time ta bye. bye bye
1: to in case you missed it on the cat that's it for this week's edition of in case you missed it we'll be back next week for another look at the last seven days on the cat and in our local area